Hello and welcome to another Not Chilly podcast. This one is episode number 22 and we're doing a little short one here. We're actually finally committing to the series that we've been talking about. Not the Star Wars one, not the South Park one, but in fact, MASH. Because this is a short episode, I'm not going to like dive into very much what it is. And make sure if you can, jump online and try to find the episode of MASH. It's only like, they're only 20 minutes long, so very short. You can catch up with it and then have a look. Because if you're a big fan of the show, then you'll, you'll know it the moment you start watching the episode. So sit back and enjoy Josh and I talking about Season 8, Episode 9 of MASH. And thank you very much for being a part of this. And I assumed that, oh, because yeah, I don't I bake. Yeah. I don't bake. So, for some weird reason, I've always associated baking with people who are, like, good cooks. Yeah, yeah. And what I realized was, no, he just knows how to make, like, cake and muffins and stuff. Yeah, which is fucked up. All right, so what are we talking about? Yeah, uh, man, <coughs> I don't want to... I want to. I want to go get breakfast. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, I want to get breakfast. <coughs> Let's talk about an episode of Mash. Do you know what? Uh, it, what Which it's one? called Mister and Mrs. Who. Yes. Is that actually what it's called? Because it it, it it is uh, season eight, episode nine, and it premiered on November 12, nineteen seventy nine. What? Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Plex. So, just so everyone knows, this is a little podcast that um, Josh and I do. Uh, it's kind of just a shorter podcast. So, we we did a podcast before about what we thought. Well, to be honest, it was probably more about what Josh thought about Mash. Uh, <laughs> and and you had thoughts. I had two thoughts. You made the mistake of asking me questions about Mash. I skipped through the episode and I'm just like listening, trying to find moments where I'm talking. And it's like Josh, 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 so Josh, 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 me, Josh, Josh. <laughs> I felt like doing like a long intro just to yeah, get my voice in there. You you opened the door that no one's ever you know. Oh no! Open. That but the, isn't it the whole purpose of my podcast? Haven't I just told? No, that's what I've said. I before. find it's just you endlessly going on. That's true. Yeah, that's every episode uh, is how I felt. About it. Oh. But this episode, look. Yes. If I was to just off the top of my head come up with a description of this episode, I'd say you know Charles returns to the four hundred seven seventh after a trip to Tokyo with an uncharacteristic <laughs> hangover and the uneasy feeling of a romantic entanglement. Meanwhile, the hospital struggles to find a cure for an outbreak of deadly hemorrhagic fever. Where did you fever. get that? And that perfectly I mean, that's, red that's how, yeah, that's how I would, what do you mean perfectly red? That's, this is how I would describe what happens and in the, not what's in, on in the, the screen. episode. Yeah. And not what's on a 50 inch television and right next to us. Yeah. <laughs> 20 centimeters from my head. I literally cannot look away from I can from feel it. the heat from the yeah. <laughs> Where's the, the remote? Anyway. Somewhere. Oh, you could leave it on, leave it on, leave it All on. Right. Inspiration. And also I want you to feel really the is heat. Hot. <laughs> um, yeah. So this, so this podcast is going to be kind of a shorter, a shorter little podcast about particular episodes. So if you want to listen to what we think about Mash is as a whole, go listen to the other podcast, and but we'll and we'll cover like three percent of what we think about Mash. Yeah, in that episode. In that episode, yeah, that's right. And then throughout all these little episodes, you'll kind of get a much more detailed feel <laughs> about what Mash means to us. But we're not going to try not to go into that kind of detail, uh, like uh, talking about Mash. Like this is why I love Mash. It's like no, no, no. This is why I love this episode. So, yeah, you're right. So, we start the episode off with um, with Charles coming in hungover as hell and struggling to recall his nights from before. Um, this is that that amazing thing that happens in, in MASH a lot, which is the, that, the, the dual story. One's kind of like comedy. The other one is, like, really serious and really important. Yeah. I mean, mo- most 
most like sitcom format things, most I'd say basically all sitcom things tend to have that A B. Yeah, but I feel like the thing. match does it on a much. It does it very, scale. yeah. It does it very differently emotionally. Yeah. Like when when they have an episode like this, yeah. So they've got that that A uh, the the A story being you know what happened with Charles, and then mm. the B story being um you know this uh, wow there's this fever yeah hemorrhagic yeah. fever and. Uh, you know, again, it's the fifties. No one really quite knew at the time what to do, and mm. so uh, yeah, they decide to to try something. Um, and that's a beautiful point about this particular episode. It's not even that they decide to try something; they they try something knowing full well that they could get in massive trouble for it. You know, yes. because regardless of the outcome, the person was going to either die or they were going to have a chance to live. So, it, and if they died, that or the patient died, then they would have. And they tried what they tried. They would have been court-martialed yeah. and, and dishonorably discharged. But if they didn't, then he would have died anyway, regardless. And yep. it's just like terrible catch-22, I guess. I mean, I, I, know I haven't read the book, so I shouldn't you know quote that too much. But it's this really messed up situation where you- Read what book? The Catch-22. Oh right! <laughs> it's in I was the like, title. The right. uh, no, I really want to read that book, but it's it. There's something really like beautiful and tragic about that, and it also kind of leads me to that feeling of like uh, what m- it must be like in war and why there's a lot of like dodgy stuff that goes on because n- there's a massive difference between someone who uh, l- uh, who looks at the war as a whole, like this is the twenty percent statistic of people who die from this fever, and someone who literally has to deal with one per- one patient and goes, why can't we? fix this why can't we help and i and this is a great example of that oh yeah so the hemorrhagic fever as they represented in the episode bearing in mind they had like really good medical consultants on this show mm-hmm. um i can't remember the gentleman's name but they they had a really excellent uh there was one who was consistent they might have had some other special ones but they had one guy who was but i think he was paid as like a consultancy fee yeah, for yeah. like the whole run like 10 or 11 years um and he Anyway, so basically, yeah, it's this hemorrhagic fever and the people are um, initially they don't produce any urine. They're just holding on to all of their mm-hmm. their, their water fluids, yeah. and then they let it all go. But to the point that they'll die, they just don't stop yeah. going to the to the bathroom. Which is that whole saline thing because it's exactly like out of salts in your body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you put any salt in, and saline is traditionally quite high in salt. That's the point. It's replacing things faster than your, you know, giving you heaps of it to compensate for the fact that your body's losing. Yes, yes. And um, so, um, like, much higher than what your blood content of salt is. Yeah. And- uh, Overcompensating. Yeah, exactly. So, um, because the salt is known to exacerbate the problem and kill you, the army goes- don't, Stop it. Don't treat them at all, knowing that somewhere between 10 and 20% of- people will die from it so they go but 80 you know worst case scenario 80 80 percent will survive so don't treat that 20 percent yeah um and it's they're given that thing of saying you'll be dishonorably discharged if you go against this order um and so they come up with a scheme whereby not even a scheme just a treatment they make the decision to um take a risk to take the risk and give them less than one percent salt uh saline solution and uh which is around the same amount that blood plasma has, which mm. you just naturally have in your blood anyway. So, you know, they f- assumed it would work okay. And 
it works out. But the but the that scene where they're talking about making the decision, the thing that's interesting, and there's a reason why they stay on Potter for making the decision. It's not just because he's a leader, but when he's like, oh, these either we th- we run the risk of these boys dying by doing nothing and hoping they survive, um, or we give them the treatment. Um, and sorry, we either don't treat them and we basically know that this young man is going to die. In particular, this patient is on his way to death um, or we do something and maybe he dies, but maybe we save him at the mm. cost of all these things. Bearing in mind, you know, it's, again, it's the 50s. He's been in the military since like 1915. Yeah. So it's, it is his life. That's his entire life. He's very close to retirement. And, um, you know, that was a, that's a thing they cover quite a bit in MASH. They'll have it throughout it sort of a few kernels here and there that are in their older age and they're looking for the glory and they're looking for the last promotion. They're looking mm. for, you know, things at the cost of lives. And so that's just kind of an important moment of note that that's how good a person Potter is. He's really willing to risk uh, the everything he's ever built in his life uh, to... Save people. To, to save people, because he's a yeah. doctor before uh, before, before anything man. else. Yeah, yeah. And um, despite how, you know, regular army he is, you know, he loves the army and believes in the army, but he believes in being a doctor even more. Yeah. It's cool. I think it's a really, like, a really cool episode. And I think that, like, the other story as well, it's, it, it's, it's also kind of fun. Like, this was actually a really positive episode and a show oh, yeah. that deals with a lot of trauma. This one comes out, like, quite a positive spin, which is well-selected uh, by it's, you. It's, it's also one of the things that I love about MASH, you know, that the A story being um, Charles getting drunk in Tokyo and thinking that he's uh, married a woman in his drunken haze and uh, he's a, he's so protective. It shows all the negativity of him mm. and then shows uh, it shows what's underneath. Yes. Um, and they do that throughout the series. It's one of my favourite things is that, you know, they couldn't do that with Frank um, while he was in the show before Winchester because mm. there was nothing more to Frank. He yeah. just was a piece of shit. Uh, and they'd set him up in that very one-dimensional way. And so when they started over with Winchester, they very carefully went, okay, we need to have an antagonist who is layered. Mm. And so uh, on the top layer, well, I'd say the mid- middle layer really at the core of uh, of Winchester, he has all these nasty things like protection of bloodline. And all. that's why he's so upset when he finds out that he's married a person. He has all these cultural... Um, racial elitism ideas that are addressed in other episodes, but that's the motivation in this episode for him being so upset about it. Mm. You know, it's not just, oh, that's something so silly that I can get annulled. It's he's really worried about how it will damage him, uh, his name, his family. Mm-hmm. Um, if he gets, you know, stuck. I'm using well, it's a real mark. character decision and a real character reaction that he makes yes. when he realizes what's going on. Yeah. Like, it's not a, oh, I'm just, I'm I'm making a comment about something random. It's like, no, 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 this is what he would have felt. This yep. is literally, and then, like, we see it break down, like, bit by bit, and we see yeah. that beautiful nature come out. Like, he's a really sweet character. Yeah, and and it's not just, um, it's not just shown in other episodes, like, in, in that type of way, and uh, I just wasn't in the mood to watch a sadder episode. That's but there's, fine. There's a couple of uh uh, more solemn episodes that are really beautiful that show what humanity 
he has. Mm. And um, and this is why I think that like the one thing I really liked about Charles entering um, uh, entering Mash compared to Frank was the fact that despite like him being pompous and like uh, like a nose up in the air kind of person, all of them still kind of like him. They would do they would do good things for him if they had to like they 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 irritated by him and it's he's annoying because of his ideas about people and you know in class but they certainly do really like him they they treat him like a friend they treat him like someone close and and they care for him and you see in this episode even though they're making fun of him it's they do care like oh yeah in that really boyish kind of push you yeah and and and, and even with Frank they would try to help him like. Mm. Uh, the the most evident part of that is in Frank's last season, um, which is after Margaret's gotten married and Frank is falling to pieces. In that in that last season, oh, he's she's engaged rather. Mm-hmm. In in that last season, um, he they defend him and yeah. tell Margaret off, for instance, for being insensitive to him. Uh, and it's one of those things where you're doing something for someone who would never do that for others. Yeah. Um, he, he never thinks about it. But I also think that's kind of like a proving ground for um, Hawkeye in particular, that for him, it's like he wants to give someone a chance. He, like, he wants to give someone enough rope to hang themselves with. Like, he would be like, here, 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 here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And if they keep pushing back, keep being a terrible person and not showing any kind of vulnerability, then eventually... I, th- break. I, I think it's less that and more his refusal to give up on humanity. So, yeah, okay. there has to be something deeper inside everyone. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, what's the point? Mm. Like, why don't I just go get a pistol and shoot myself? Yeah, um, yeah right. That's really you know, sad and depressing. But yes, but it's the reality I, of the show. I think that Hawkeye is not think. I mean, Hawkeye is a severely depressed person through the entire run of the show. He mm. has he has severe depression. Mm. Um, it's just a part of who he is. And he PTSD. uses al- alcohol. Uh, well, I mean, yes, he will have, I suppose. Like, I think he's, he, the, the, this is the kind of the story of his PTSD. I think, in, in yeah, how it develops, like, and it's, but he's in the trauma at the moment. That's right. He's, you know, he uses alcohol to manage and all that kind of mm. stuff. And it's, it's the one of the things is that in the day in day out, like, there's some great episodes throughout that talk about boredom. Yeah. In, in the camp and, you know, uh, Winchester coming back and there being this drama that happens would be, you know, it's what he behaves like a 14 year old when when all this stuff is happening with the with the marriage and, yeah, and yeah. you know, fake marriage, as it turns out, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'd see a lot of the playfulness and then that and it, as we've said, that's the beautiful thing about MASH is, is the contrast. So it'll go from. The playfulness, then now we have to save some lives. Then back to the playfulness. That was the point I was going to make, because I remember thinking specifically about the sarcasm and the joke telling through both those. Because even in the serious moments, they're still saying jokes. Oh, yeah. But the tone is totally different. And if you were to compare that to, like, Friends, for example, if Friends was talking about something serious, they either do your really laugh out loud slapstick joke over a serious moment or they talk really seriously like now we've got to talk properly whilst MASH manages to keep the tone of the serious tone but also keep the jokes into that serious tone and this is a perfect example of it yeah because the core of the show and the reason they could make a comedy show is that the comedy was the coping mechanism of the people of the characters in the show so it's not just we're here to entertain the audience um 
it's that that's why I felt a lot of people complained about the tone getting more serious as the show went on. Um, I I think then that they never really understood the show, to be honest, mm. because the show, the entire point of the humor was this is the coping mechanism that these characters use. So yes, it's funny, but it's not. It it has a dual purpose. It has a purpose in the narrative of demonstrating that's how they cope, and it has the television show purpose of entertaining you. Yeah. And if you don't explore the darker bit of it and why that comedy in the war exists, then you're not appreciating what the purpose of the comedy is. Yeah, yeah. I think I laughed probably three times in that and there were probably like 30 or 40 moments which were kind of you could imagine a laugh track would have been thrown in if it was oh, all if it was time. still happening. Yeah. And and that, and I think I that, think that's the uh, all of these episodes have laugh tr- track m- removed. This is the last season yeah, with a laugh track. Yeah, there you go. I remember you telling me about that, but I, either way, it was uh, I didn't didn't not like I didn't look down upon the episode at all. I didn't think of it lower because of I laughed less. I just laughed when I felt it was right to laugh. There was like really hilarious yeah. moments. I mean, yeah. It's also just, particularly when you watch it without the laugh track, it really starts to sink in just how many jokes there are in every episode. Oh, yeah. Because it just doesn't stop. Everything all the time. Wordplay in particular. Wordplay is just constant. Slapstick and just like prodding. Yeah, it's just... It's it's constant. like I said in the the mash podcast that um I think is coming up tomorrow or like anyway you, this doesn't make a difference to this timing, um and it was the like they have some of the best puns <laughs> in all TV because they pretty much do every single pun that you could possibly do yeah. like it's crazy but there was an interesting comparison there's another uh, episode of this podcast which i'm going to refer to there's so many that i'm referred to <laughs> which is which is a sign of how much mash really means to us but um i'm about to upload as well the jarhead episode oh yeah and it, it the the without actually comparing them one to one because they're not like based off each other it's really interesting to talk about that boredom again and going like when the the, the guys in is it f Afghanistan? Where do they go in in Jihad? Uh, well, they're in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, but they're on yeah, with a, on the border of Iraq. There you go. Um, and when they just have nothing to do for months and months, you just see how they act up and they do stupid shit to each other and they play with each other and and it's like and it's kind of messed up to some degree, but it's just sheer boredom. Yeah, you know. And it's and when it, when you see this episode come in and you see the way that those boys behave when he gets back from Tokyo, that's the most like you described. That's the most interesting thing that's happening. I'm we're gonna just mess with this and play with this as much as you can, like getting a new toy. Yeah. Uh, and I love that like those. This show and that movie aren't, they weren't made for each other, but they're made about war and they talk about an, a massive aspect of it, which actually I don't think is really appreciated in war, in war storytelling, is that boredom. Yeah, is the amount of nothing that happens. I mean, it's, it's sort of like you'll, you know, uh, the focus is traditionally in anything to do with combatants. And so you don't think that the vast majority of any military is not guys with rifles or people in planes mm. or, you know, it's engineers, it's mechanics, it's doctors, it's, um, you know, strategic people, it's intelligence. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, on D-Day, there was 1.5 million people involved. Jeez. Right? That's literally just on that morning. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not how many people were involved 
entirely. Yeah, yeah. Hugely more than that in, in its entirety. But in terms of who was there on the day on the Allied side, it was one and a half million people. Um, in all the ships, in all the landing crafts, and all the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. The minority by far were the people who went and actually went into France. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and, and so, like, what is never really shown is the distance in time uh, between things um, mm. and the slowness of stuff that happens. Um, it's, you know, the if you're in World War One, the majority of your time was spent at the back and you'd slowly be rotated to the front and you'd go and you'd die. Um, <laughs> if you didn't, yeah, you were lucky, yeah. you get rotated to the back and then you keep being pushed forward to the to the front lines and, and on and on and on. Yeah. So they spent, it's not like they're sitting there with their rifles, like shooting at the Germans in the front lines the entire time. It's, mm. it's, and, and this war is no different. The most of the time is spent not doing anything. Yeah. I love that storytelling. I think that there's a really, uh, there's a lacking of that kind of like, we've heard so much of the dr dr the drama of mm. not just war, but of any profession. It's like when you watch um, that show uh, Extras, and it's like you—you you got a whole show that's based around extras not being extras. Like they're yeah. not. Like I mean, sure, they, there's moments that they are, but it's mostly just them talking and and waiting and and you know how they interact with certain people. And it's it's a, it's a sign that there is so much storytelling that hasn't been exposed because often we focus on what's the most important thing about whatever this thing's about. And it's, from the from the broadest point of view possible, right? Yeah. So it's like yes, if we're hearing about. If it's in the extras, right? If we're hearing about a, a new movie that has Kate Winslet in it, everyone's going to be talking about Kate Winslet, not the, you know, probably uh, 500 cast and crew who yeah, yeah, had that's right. to do it. They'll talk about the most, you know, three in brackets, imp most important people. And some that's some of the most, like, that's actually quite, like, I'm not sure if anyone else or how many people actually really feel this, but I get really allured by the behind the scenes when i like i did a doco ages ago and like at a, as a music thing um and for obvious reasons i'm not going into any detail about what that was about but i remember what really fascinated me was just talking i mean i'm a sound guy but just talking to the people who sound engineered that you know or talking to the the, the logistics person and not even just like not even how did you do this but more just like how are you doing like what's going through your head? Like you know, like what, like what, what are you like having for breakfast? When do you eat breakfast? Do you like get up like an hour before everyone else because you have to think about you know? Like I find the 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 mundane in the in the extreme is super interesting. I th yeah, I think that it's an. I mean, you know, it's quite funny. I'm writing a blog post at the moment that's about. I'm starting a series of blog posts for Bucking Mouse that are like about. Directing Check out BarkingMouse.com. <laughs> www.BarkingMouse.com, do you? Um, you can find Josh in Georgia. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's about directing performances, and the first blog post is about tone on set, right? Mm -hmm. And um, a huge part of it is basically that idea. It's like, um, be, be in... What you're talking about is just being basically interested in things to understand what people are going through in their day. Like, uh, I was talking to... Um, Someone the other day. Uh, really? <laughs> you know, I didn't sleep well. I haven't eaten breakfast yet. So that's right. Well, worry. that's what we're doing after this. But, but I was saying, like, what an armorer's day is like, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it was Matt. That's who it was. We were talking about gun gun regulation and how it's different here and all that kind of stuff. And we were talking about how good it is that it's so secure here. And I was giving the example of what an armorer's day is like. And a sort of armorer comes to set and looks up, you know, the safety stuff is what we know an armorer for. The expertise part is what we know them for. But 
do people think about the fact that an Amra's day is incredibly long? Um, they have to go, say it's a normal day shoot that sort of, you know, starts around. They have to be on set at seven o'clock or whatever. And yeah. There for 11 hours. Um, they have to have, if depending on the structure of how they do things, but this is just an example, like they'll have a company that owns a warehouse that vaults their weapons. Mm. They as an individual have to go to their own company for the in terms of paperwork, sign out the guns, yep, and process everything for 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 because it's a company that's the company is a separate entity from them as an as an individual. So they go and do that, then they'll go and do all this stuff. Then they have to maintain the guns at the end of the day, clean them, do all that stuff, put them back, do the mm. thing. And so it's this thing of they're not just showing up and bringing guns. You have to have an appreciation for the fact that f- however many shoot days they have. Um, and that's that's with everyone else, right? It's like yeah, yeah. A, 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 most crew members have that. But one of the key differences with an armorer is it has to go back to the vault each night. It's not yeah. just you know um, go home, chuck your bag, yeah, and it's not lock thing. the studio. It's not this. It's yeah. not not put it in the van. It's not just leave it in the truck. It's this whole process. process. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that thing. Is that, that that's just having yeah. yeah. It, it's just that interest in the what how how did that happen? Though, mm. How did they be on that set? So, you, what the question you're asking in the context of MASH is basically, when that person gets hit by a mortar, um, I get that a medic gets them, but what happens after that? Yeah, yeah. And that is that is the brilliant part of MASH, which, yeah. which is an interesting tangent, but... Maybe no, 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 no. People can judge for themselves. We just got to be careful that- not to re-loop this again and again. That's the oh, reason. totally. I'm happy yeah. to talk about it as long as we don't every episode talk about you know, this exact No, no, story. no, no. no. But yeah, we've addressed boredom in MASH now. Yeah. Although, until we get to an episode that talks entirely about boredom. We will, and that's fine, because then we'll talk- <laughs> I can't remember the name of the episode. There's an episode that starts with just in the mess tent and, and uh, Hawkeye's going, I'm bored. Bored, 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 And then the whole episode's about- No talking about other episodes. Josh. You brought it up. I did. Uh, th- yeah, did. I think that's really good. I, th- I mean, the other thing, the other element I just want to bring up really quickly is uh, about Charles, because we talked a lot about um, the- the Chuck? Fever. Chuck. Even those little jokes out of him are great. But I, I love the lady that he meets and how of a much of a bond they share. It kind of like, there's something really beautiful, with, like especially with the his character, you know, like who's kind of made out to be like, oh, you're supposed to like roll your eyes whenever he talks. And then I actually felt the opposite. I was I was I was actually really happy for him when when once he had broken and figured it all out and figured yeah. everything was fine and he could just be himself. He was just like really joyful and excitable and he was just having so and you want them to be get together because you're like oh my god you guys are so good for each other. Yeah. Uh, and it's really beautiful and I think that 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 was a great example of that kind of moment. It is. And it's sad he always has that mentality of people are just after my money in my name. Yeah, yeah. And that's Hopefully know. he he like like I can't remember exactly his whole story arc which is probably part of the reason why I'm doing this, but hopefully that, you know, is something that he eventually Nope. Nope, doesn't mend, doesn't change. Doesn't change. Where did end on a down there's, there's, a, there's another episode with a far more intense romance he has with someone, and uh, they are very close to being. Wow, we should make this like we should get sure. married and, and live be together after war. And he uh, breaks up with her for a very interesting reason. We'll find that out later. Let's not talk about it anymore. Uh, thank you very much for this little quick pod. Um, let's go get some breakfast. Yep. <laughs> Bye. 
So that's the podcast for today. Stay tuned as there will be a new episode released every single Thursday. And to keep up to date, don't forget to subscribe using Podbean or wherever you get your podcast. On this episode again, I want to thank Joss Lundberg for coming back and giving us another awesome experience of his voice. This podcast was produced and edited by me, Piotr Pasileski, and the music was sourced from the Filmstro website. Till next week, thank you for listening. Thank you.